Filthy Armenian Adventures presents Los Angeles, A Reverie Under the Stars, our first live event on September 23. A night of magic, mirth, fire, and brimstone with some of the greatest people in the world, including Jack Mason from The Perfume Nationalist, author Adam Lair from Safety Propaganda, the one and only girl from Baku, Mommy Milkers, Borhazian illusionist Garin Hovanissian, DJ Boy Toy, and surprise friends to be named later. For tickets to the show and party, email filthyarmeniantics at gmail.com. That's filthyarmeniantix at gmail.com. Today's episode is brought to you entirely by the rug merchants, cigar singers, and oligarchs of the night who subscribe to us on Patreon. If this show touches you or means anything to you, strongly consider showing your support by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash filthyarmenian. You'll get access to more than twice as many adventures as you find on this free feed, including the most intimate and scandalous ones. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Very interesting. But maybe with honest dice, I can make a pass to save his soul. And yours, and yours, and yours. I'm gonna roll these dice. One roll. And on that roll, I'm gonna bet each of you $1,000 against your soul. Tony, I gotta. I had a lot more than money riding on this one. They call you Lady Luck, but there is room for doubt. At times you have a very unladylike way of running out. You're on this date with me. The pickings have been lush And yet before this evening is over You might give me the brush You might forget your manners You might refuse to stay And so the best that I can do Is pray Luck be a lady tonight you're the last no, well you're the last le, you're the last lesbian and you're of Las Vegas so together I was thinking the last lesbian of Las Vegas but yes I, I feel like you know I took lesbians for granted growing up and you know make fun of cliches kind of paradigms in ways you know but now I've started to realize that really, I feel like you can look at the, the extinction of the lesbian as this, um, as this, like, it's like, it's like a, it's like taking out that Jenga from the, set, from like taking out that Jenga piece from the tower of sexuality and it's all come toppling down because like, I feel like, Hi, how are you? Great. 
Thank you. I'll have a Diet Coke. And, and yeah, tap water. Ice water is good? Yes. So we are that Jenga piece. Yeah, yes. you're the Jenga piece and like it's shifted the entire pussy paradigm down there. Uh, they wouldn't I feel like there should be a video game where you like an old school style oh, arcade game where you have to save the lesbian before the trans non-binary meat grinder just takes it in and takes them in, you know? That would be They're on a conveyor belt to the trans meat grinder and you just have to save them before they get it. Yeah. I, I agree in a lot of ways. I think that be a lady When the kind of feminist hysteria was revived in the 2010s, everything kind of just fell like dominoes and like lesbians were kind of collateral, I think. And there was also a lot of cowardice, I think, from a lot of lesbians that was very frustrating to witness. Because I remember, I don't know if you've seen Blue is the Warmest Color. I have, I should need to watch it. I haven't seen it. But uh, I remember, you know, arguing with women who were like 10, 15 years my senior about how it was a good movie. Yeah. And how it was not all this uh, stuff they were complaining about, they made up about it, this hysterical, you know, narrative. And um, I kind of witnessed the the cowardice and the the way that people kind of allow, you know, themselves to get trampled over in service of this narrative of like, we have to do feminism in this particular way, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I think a lot of people made a lot of poor choices, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> How did it... Why did they... Like, how did it happen? Like... Why, why were they? Why was there no lesbian pride? I guess, to, you know, there's been obviously a lot of people are guilty. It's not just lesbians. I mean, mm -hmm. the entire gay movement became kind of hijacked. But yeah. I, but there was a, obviously a stronger holdover of gays. Like, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I think uh, yeah, it's a lot of it um, has to do with way, okay, so in the mid-20th century, there was this very pivotal moment where the Daughters of Bilitis, which was like a lesbian group that was closely tied with like gay male groups, mm -hmm. they decided to join forces with the women's movement, and they decided to ally themselves with heterosexual women, and there's always been this kind of tenuous right. <laughs> dynamic there because one thing about very extremist feminists like the Dworkin and McKinnon variety is that um, they hate really any kind of sexuality so 
while they may seem like your allies initially, as soon as you step out of line, yeah, they will come for you too. And yeah. so if you are a lesbian with an actual libido, you're in the crosshairs. You do a male gaze. Yeah. You do a male gaze. You do a male you gaze. Do a, you, do a, a pre, uh, you do a predation or whatever. Yes, you do a microaggression. A microaggression. Uh, you, they will turn on you on a dime. And there's always been a kind of, I think, paranoia about that. And when the hysteria started up in the 2010s, the pro-Tony 2 hysteria, I think there was this kind of fear of, like, I need to say the right thing. Or, like, I'm going to be on the chopping block. Yeah. I'm going to be a target. I mean, women are clearly excessively or instinctively uh, social conformist to a degree. You know? <laughs> I think we're more attuned to social dynamics. And, yeah. and it can be a survival instinct that can be very beneficial, but it can also... Uh, if you don't really stand by your principles, it can lead you to be very cowardly. And um, yeah, I mean that's yeah. the that's the other side of it. So it was also um, one thing to note is that it had been so long since the words male gaze and all that stuff had been used, like since the like. Uh, you know, what was her name? Maura Mulvey, who wrote that essay that was inspired by John Berger, who invented the concept of the male gaze. It had been like 30 years. Yeah, it was, yeah, they, they dusted all these things off and no one was prepared for it. Yeah, Everyone so just it, fell for it because they were so intellectually uh, malnourished and undeveloped. Yes. They didn't know, like, they weren't steeped in the history of this stuff they and how bullshit no it was. It was like the Native Americans of smallpox, where they, like, had no defenses right. against it. Right, they, they, exactly. Because they had, like, never had to actually encounter or debate this stuff, and so that it was kind of like, huh? Yeah, they never even, yeah, I mean, this was the thing that I was so, this is what, this is what I would say in the 2000s when I was, like, when I was being, um, polemical and trying to warn people that despite the fact that yeah I yeah currently culture seems to be so over PC so anti-PC and like your South Park and anything goes Mm -hmm. I can tell you like based on what I see from millennials and the way they're being educated um, they have no there's going to be no substance for them to battle the sort of things that they're being injected with in, in school and I didn't like I didn't know that it would be that that the that the final that the internet like Tumblr was going to be the final yes. thing that did it but I I knew that at some point the bottom's going to fall out because they're not going to be young they're not going to be binge drinking anymore mm-hmm. they're not going to be having college fun time fun time anymore yes. just, what are they going to have to what are they going to have ideologically and morally in their in their heads? Because they don't have anything. They're not religious. They're not you know like they were just they kind of have empty vessels. Like a drive and purpose. And no. Grander, like vision. Yeah. They didn't, and they didn't even have uh, like the ninety. Like they didn't even have like a sense of hustle because the because the recession completely obliterated. Them. Yes. So there was really nothing. There was like a lot of just just like. You know, chickens with their heads cut off, uh, going on, and then you combine that with no moral center, no, no kind, uh, no sense of um, principles, and the first thing that's installed into you is going to take over everything. And that's what happened in like exactly with Tumblr and, and, and shit. And that's a big thing that 
people don't want to hear it, but it needs to be said. Woke stuff was not invented by Zoomers. It was invented by Millennials. And Zoomers have carried the mantle. But it oh, was, yeah. It was not... Because I see people blame people my age and younger. And I'm like, you guys, it wasn't oh, us. No. Like, you were a long way into it. We, we came of age during all of that. So we have, like gone along with I think far too much of it but yeah. we didn't invent it no you did you not know? you did not invent it because <laughs> um, I, I was a tumblerina back in the day any questions on anything? what are you going to have? Um, I'm going to have a caprese you got it and could I have a tonic with bitters and a lime you got it thank you I'm going to have the I'm going to go on I'm going to go wild i have What's better between the Agnolotti and the Cavatelli? Agnolotti. All right, let me try that. The Agnolotti, and you said you're having the, just the Caprizi? But can you hold the horseradish? I don't... Yeah, no problem. Thank you. I'll be right back with the tonic of bitters. Thank you. I already ate, really. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like their, their duck here. I like... Do you like duck? I do. I like... Um, I do like duck. I like uh, like confit style duck. I like duck confit. It's really tasty. Yeah, I actually had duck confit. Duck earlier. is underrated. Duck is great. Yeah, it's it is. Yes, but I I remember. Uh, Technically, a red meat in the in the in the binary, it's considered a red meat. I yeah. guess that's true. Yeah, but I like pork duck is white meat. Get it, duck like, is red. Medium, meat. you can get it like. Uh, like unlike uh, chicken, you can right. get it medium. Yeah, yeah, it can still be nice. decent. Yeah, the yeah. confit is the best way to have it though. And in my view, yeah, for sure, it's so crispy and juicy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a little. Yeah, pork is technically white meat, mm -hmm. and duck is technically red meat in the like culinary. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a little counterintuitive because it's a bird. Yeah. Yes. So. I remember Tumblr. I was on Tumblr. Yeah. I saw Tumblr evolve. Um, I saw certain things like Hari Nuff and whatnot, like emerge and become popular. Through Tumblr? Through Tumblr. I only ever used Tumblr for, for porn yeah. and the occasional. It was good for that. It was great because you just had like a wall that you could just kind of like, yeah. It, yeah, it was, it was kind of the first. At least from, in my memory, it was the first time where porn was really accessible and like you could kind of find anything. Yeah, and you could find it in droves. You yes. could find it, and yeah, there was a there was a certain magic to Tumblr porn. Really amazing that they just they yeah. just killed it. <laughs> I know that's what ultimately drove a lot of people off of it. Yeah, that's not what drove me off. It drove me off is that everyone was crazy, and I and it was. I made a promise with myself when I was a teenager. I said, if I if I'm still on this site when I'm 20 years old, I'll just have to end it all. So the day of my 20th birthday, I deleted. Okay, my so life. tell me what. I mean, I know people who had like Tumblr blogs because it seemed like like the hippest blog site, you know. But there were other blog sites. So to me, it just seemed like okay, this is just a, a flashier blog site. Mm -hmm. What what was it like? 
Was, was it like a version of what Reddit is now kind of thing where... Uh, I think a lot of people from Tumblr migrated to Reddit in recent years, but when I was on Tumblr, Reddit was known as being more right-wing. Really? That was the perception at the time. Okay. But so to like rewind, one of the reasons why Tumblr took off is because of all its media capabilities. It was this streamlined design where you could upload videos, you could upload multiple GIFs, you could upload multiple photos, you could make long text posts, you could do all this stuff that was kind of clunky on the older sites, and you had everything consolidated into a timeline, you know, like the dashboard. Yeah. So it was just like, uh, it kind of took elements of MySpace and it took elements of Blogspot and it kind of consolidated it. So a lot of people migrated from those sites. There was a massive migration from MySpace to Tumblr, which if you were on MySpace, you'll remember it was a lot of porn stars, a lot of furries, a lot of gays and a lot of emos. Um, And then a lot of people migrated from forums as well to Tumblr. A big one was like eating disorder forums. I learned that eating disorders were real from Tumblr because I didn't know anybody who had an eating disorder. Yeah. And then I like saw these girls on Tumblr saying that they had eating disorders, and I was like, oh my god, that's so nineties. But like, they were a big thing on there. So um, kind of open. So it sounds like the the fetish for mental illness started there, not on Twitter, where it's kind of visible now. Oh, it, it definitely. And it wasn't on Facebook either. It's solidified. It wasn't Facebook thing either until later, until after wokeness already got rolling. Yes. Tumblr. One reason why Tumblr was uh, a breeding ground for all of this is because it attracted a lot of uh, kind of hipster people who were in college who were doing sociology and gender studies. Yeah.
I had this. I was talking. I was just thinking about how much, like, how much of my twenties was wasted on the blogosphere. Not blog. I wasn't blogging. I had like a short-lived blog very early on. But WordPress. But I hate like. I, I, I was that was like my addiction was reading you know articles and blogs all day, yeah. like on my laptop like when I should have been working. Um, at a certain point, I started to realize how much I hated, how how awful it, it seemed to be because I saw people who were who were clearly good writers when they took you know took their time like Andrew Sullivan. Like, I saw him, like, degrade himself daily, and it just made me feel icky and nasty, and, like, at some point, I just stopped. And it seems like, you know, this is, like, in the 2000s. Um, I, I can't... By 2010, I mean, I was still reading, like, articles all the time, but I wasn't following blogs anymore. Once Obama kind of got in, and they all became, like, Obama people, I gave up on blogs. And then it seems like while I was, you know, my mind was elsewhere... Um, they literally that whole energy kind of became like devolved even more into what, what, what Tumblr became like it was like the id of the blogosphere and then whatever is the worst of now lolcal whatever is like the id of Tumblr like is that is that kind of how I don't really know what LogCal is. Oh, let's like, I'm talk. afraid to ask. Yeah. Um, but I would say you're you're probably right about that. One thing about Tumblr is that while it was intended, the creator David Carp uh, intended it to be used the way that Blogspot and WordPress were used, but people eventually just started to use it the way they used like MySpace. So they didn't write out as many long blog posts and use it as a blog. They used it as a social network. Yeah. to um, like try to make friends and like do fandom stuff. So yeah. it turned into something totally different and it actually turned into something that was actually at odds with how it was designed. You used to not be able to send people private messages. They didn't have a group chat feature or anything, which I think was good because if there had been group chats on Tumblr, that would have been even worse than what right. it was. The way that people got canceled left and right all the time. Um, but... It's funny how it like developed into this weird like made up gender, made up identity, yeah. like made up everything. Uh, it was not the old blogs. I because I used to read old blogs on blogs, but you know they were like long essays mm -hmm. about movies or whatever. Like that's not ultimately what Tumblr was. It was people just posting like essentially what were tweets, like just saying like. Yeah. I'm going to class now, you know. <laughs> yeah. There was a certain attitude. There was a certain Tumblr voice mm -hmm. or tone. Mm -hmm. Um. And then there was an endless number of tags, right? They would, they would tag ones. Mm -hmm. well, most people started to use the tag feature to just like write. Yes, thank you. To just write like little messages, not to actually categorize things. It was like to write a message to your followers right. about the gift set that you just right. reblog, whatever. 
So people started to use the features in all these unconventional ways. <laughs> like, and how did this? How did all this? Um, how did all this like collide with your with your sexuality? Since you're you know you're growing up, and I'm assuming you're like you're doing every you're you're fil- you're like you're probably using it for, for porno reasons. Yes. <laughs> um, well. Tumblr was interesting for me. It was good and bad. Like, it was good in a lot of ways because I could, like, interact with other women who were interested in women, like, in a, like, overt manner, whereas, like, we all understood that we were, like, you know, either lesbian or bisexual, and, like, you know, there wasn't the, like, confusion there, but it was also bad because there was such a heavy radical feminist presence on Tumblr that if you were like a lesbian on Tumblr there would always be like these radical feminists like lurking around even if you tried to avoid them it was like this presence there that um, really infected a lot of the like atmosphere of being on there so like what could be fun and kind of sexually charged and like you know enjoyable would become inevitably like uh, a discourse topic like if you were to you know enjoy like pornography or a movie or whatever that was deemed problematic then it was like oh well you are contributing to the subjugation of women That's it for the free preview. If you'd like to listen to the rest of this lovely episode with the lovely Dame Vera, uh, it goes about an hour and 45 minutes. And to gain access to over 50 other patron-only episodes, please consider putting a little bit of your money where your soul is and subscribing to the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash filthy Armenian. Thank you very much for listening and see you on the other side of the paywall.